and welcome to Tailgate Talks. This is week 92, episode 136, and today we will be discussing all the chaos going on in college football. Uh, conference realignment is at it again, and so we will dive into all that. Plus, we're going to do a little mini tailgate this episode and dive into some of the big storylines from the NBA free agency. It is summer. And so the news is kind of lacking uh, besides those two main things. So let's dive into them. But before we get into all that, make sure you are following us on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you rate us and review us as well. If you listen to us on Apple, hit us with that rate and review. Five stars for the tailgate. Also, follow us on social media. Follow our Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. Follow Dustin at DustinWimmer22 and myself at Calvin B. Barrett. That's where we do most of our interacting to all sorts of sports news and stuff like that, so keep up, uh, keep up with us there. Follow our Facebook page, follow our Instagram, and follow our YouTube channel where we post videos from each week's episodes. And lately we've been posting the full interviews as we've had a couple guests on these last weeks to discuss UCF and the University of Houston. We'll pick back those interviews next week with BYU. So make sure you are following that YouTube channel. And lastly, if you have any questions, comments, or anything to add to the show, make sure you email us at tailgate underscore, wait, tailgate talks pod at gmail.com. Got the Twitter and the email mixed up there. So with all that being said, let's get into this week's episode. We're going to start this thing off right. Well, Dustin, there's not a whole lot of Texas Tech news to just really cover that isn't related to what's going on in college football, basketball, college landscape. And so if you are unaware, if you've been living under a rock, uh, over the past week or so. Uh, Thursday, it was announced that UCLA and USC are moving from the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten Conference. It was something that uh, that news dropped on Thursday, and by the end of Thursday, uh, it was a done deal, and they are going to be joining the Big Ten in 2024. So last year, we had the summer realignment as Texas and Oklahoma uh, left the Big 12 to go join the SEC. This year is another summer of realignment as UCLA and USC leave the Pac-12 to go to the Big 10. So this is triggering a lot of talks in college football, uh, in college sports really in general. And so Dustin, to kick it over to you to kind of start this off, what were your thoughts when you learned of this move and what do you think it kind of means for college sports as a whole here? Yeah, huge move, like you said, shakes up, pretty much crumbles the Pac-12 as we have known it for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, however long they've been pretty much doing it on the West Coast like that. I mean, USC and UCLA have been the two, two biggest pillars for them for the longest time. Um, so huge, huge moves. I think this is the Big Ten's uh, response, basically, to what the SEC did last year in scooping up yeah. Texas and Oklahoma, and I like it overall for college football because 
sure it does make like all right, your power fives aren't as good anymore. Like we saw it happen with Big Twelve last year, Pac twelve. We'll get into what they're gonna do next, but it makes the Big Ten a lot better, and they're one of the best conferences and second best in uh, football for sure. And this is just their big response to that. You know, it's all about football and all about money um, from the TV provider. So this was kind of like the Big Ten and Fox as the TV provider being like, how can we how can we keep up with the SEC basically and keep keep yeah. the relevance and keep the eyeballs on us and our games. And this gives a lot more big time games in the Big Ten. Um, rather than, you know, Pac-12 last, uh, quite a wait, quite a while, the last few years, like, don't, they don't have that many interesting games, you know, and even with USC, but USC still draws numbers, they're like the Cowboys, even when they're mediocre, they still draw a bunch of eyeballs, so I think it's a good move, I also kind of like that they just threw out the window the whole geography regional type thing and they're like F it. We'll go all the way to Penn State for games and Rutgers and Maryland. So that'll be interesting for their uh small sports programs to have to do all that traveling. But I think overall and for football and T V it's a great move. Yeah, I wonder if the Rutgers fans or Maryland fans, the fans over there on that East Coast are ready for those eight AM kickoffs yeah. when uh, their team's over playing uh, USC at 11 a.m. Uh, on West Coast time. So uh, definitely a change. I don't like it that much. I, I, you know, I understand where the landscape is going, and yeah. I think that's what I don't like about it is it seems like a, a uncertain future right. of what college sports are going to look like. And looking through the lens as a tech fan, I want to be included in whatever that is. And right now we kind of seem on the outside looking in. Uh, for whatever this is, whether it's two super conferences, whether it's one kind of league and, you know, divisions or whatever it may be. And this just kind of triggers that, sets that more into motion. And I always loved college sports more than professional because of the regionality, the rivalries, the authenticity of all of that stuff always was intriguing to me. Uh, I love tuning in to you know, those matchups uh, because they mean something to both fan bases, and now you just kind of lose that. Like, USC doesn't have any history with any of these teams, so it's not really going to matter. I mean, maybe you they have a little Ohio bit State. just because of the Rose Bowl is, is packed yeah, Big those... Ten, and that's always been a big deal to both those conferences. But yeah, you don't have a ton of history year after year after year with the same schools, yes. And while there's still fun matchups like USC, Ohio State, like there's still going to be UCLA Northwestern and <laughs> USC Rutgers yeah. and Maryland yeah. and stuff like that, that's going to be really kind of shitty. So honestly, for me, it's just like I don't really like it. And it's starting to piss me off that some of the teams that are already in these conferences that aren't worth a damn, really, like Nebraska has been shit and everything since they've gone to the Big Ten. Vanderbilt's been shit and everything except yeah. baseball. Like some of these schools that are already in these conferences have a leg up just because they're already in the SEC or Big Ten, and it's like they don't really have much more to offer than more to offer than Tech does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just because they're already in the conferences, like it's gonna probably help them out in the future. So I don't know it. It's all money. Yeah. I know that at the end of the day, and and that's what it, what's leading all these decisions. And you know, hopefully in the end all be all, we're a part of whatever this is. 
but it's definitely like you know, kind of worrisome moving forward because it's not going to be college sports that we grew up watching. Uh, so let's kind of move on to what this means for the conferences involved here. And uh, so Pac-12 uh, losing their two biggest members like the Big 12 last year lost Texas and Oklahoma now with USC and UCLA moving away. That just kind of clears the deck for the Pac-12. So Dustin, moving forward, you kind of mentioned it earlier. What does this mean for the Pac-12, and do you think they have any chance of surviving this? Yes, Pac-12 loses, you know, their most two most decorated programs. You know, they always flaunted all the UCLA championships and USC football, and now they have Stanford and Cal and Washington to fall back on. You know, they're in the same spot we were in last year. You know, the Big 12 was shooken by those other two schools leaving, and who's are they going to stay together? Are they going to disintegrate? You know, we almost became members of the Pac-12 last year. There was... Yep. Big talks on that, and now they're in the the sinking boat, I guess you could say, of what are they going to do. And I don't understand what their direction is at this point because everything that's coming out is like, well, we're going to try to keep it together with just these teams and not add anybody. Like at least what yeah. I liked about what we did, Big 12, when I say we, what we did last year was, you know, we stood our ground, let let the dust settle for a minute, and then, like, the next week, we were like, all right, the schools here can hold it down, but we got to add some more people, too. Like, let's be mm-hmm. proactive here. Be sure, let's talk to Pac-12 about splitting and half of us merging over there. And sure, let's talk to, what, eight, ten different other schools about adding and jumping in. And eventually, we went from there. And I haven't seen that yet from the Pac-12. There's – their schools are getting sniped almost. I mean, we're going to talk later about there's some schools that might be joining the Big 12 now. And I just think, I don't know if they're letting the dust settle or they're sitting on their hands and don't know what to do or aren't going to do anything because the 10 schools that are left, you're not going to be able to make it, to be honest. And another thing like the Pac-12 kind of always boasts about is oh, our, our academics are so so incredible it's like you're gonna have to get over your stupid academics because this is a business of athletics and there's lots of money involved quit holding yourself to such high standards and you don't want to bring other schools in because their academics don't align with the cal berkeley's well yeah no one hardly no one does even cal berkeley and stanford can hang out on their on their own then (laughs) right yeah being but I'll let you jump in. I have one more thing to add after that, but I'll let you jump in there. Yeah, for me, I mean, I definitely think this is probably the end of the Pac-12, at least yeah. as we know it. Like, maybe they, you know, try to patch some holes by adding Boise State, San Diego State. That was State, my point. But Why are they not trying that? that they, they've kind of shut it down of, like, no, we're not going to add San Diego State, Boise State, Gonzaga basketball. Like, Why? I mean, they should look into it, but it doesn't move the needle enough to keep that conference. Like, at least Tech got four pretty big, like, the top tier of the universities that you could grab at the time, right? Like, BYU brings... Pac-12 would want them right now. Yeah. Hurts pretty good for Pac-12. BYU is great. That's a huge foothold on territory for the Big 12. Uh, Cincinnati, a big city, a you know, big university that you're adding. Orlando, you've added. And then Houston, you know, just another yeah. market that you're adding 
adding into where you have big cities and all this. So you gained a foothold. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 takes a hit. And now they're in the same situation where we are were last year, where they don't really have a team that can carry it. But if they're able to add a bunch of schools like we were, then maybe it can sustain. But they can't really add anything. We took what they yeah. could. And Boise State doesn't move the needle that much. San Diego State doesn't move the needle all that much to, I think, keep the Pac-12 relevant. So, like, from a Pac-12 school standpoint, if you're Arizona, Arizona State – Oregon, Washington, like you got to look out for yourself yeah. and try to get yourself s situated. And you can't wait for the Pac-12, who's been the worst at responding to literally everything over the last several years. Uh, you can't wait on them to make a decision. You got to do what's best for you. And so um, that kind of leads us into the next point. It's the Big 12. Uh, today there was reports that uh, we are in deep discussions, we as in Big 12, to add Oregon, Washington, both Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado to the conference. So uh, Big 12 is being the aggressor here this year. And so, Dustin, what do you think these two moves uh, have done for the Big 12? And what have you liked or disliked seeing from the Big 12 so far? I love what the Big 12 is doing. They see Pac-12 weakness and crumbling, and they're scooping up. They're moving in because – like we just mentioned of what we did last year, like basically think of your schools as players. We just added depth. We might not have a star, but we yeah. added a lot of good depth to our, our team and our conference, you know, with those four schools we're bringing in. And now that's what we're trying to do again, just add more depth. Like Oregon's a huge needle mover, and the other schools are just really good depth adders. Colorado's been here before, so they're kind of just going to make, make the turn back around to us. And – both the Arizona schools, I think, regionally fit with us. Utah, we're already yeah. bringing BYU, so y'all can come over here together and keep that rivalry going. And I think it's a great move to see that weakness and go attack and get those schools that are regionally located and then the two big ones in the super north northwest there in Oregon and Washington because they have some – decent history and Oregon has all the Nike money and cool uniforms and all that. And so, you know, they, that's why they're a needle yep. mover. And so I love it. I love it. And I hope we can get at least four of these schools. It doesn't sound like Oregon and Washington are leaning anywhere. They're just sitting on the fence. I think waiting for, you know, seeing how things go before they jump, jump ship. And so I like it. I hope we can add some of these schools to us in a couple of years with these other guys that we're already bringing in. Yeah, I was excited to see that we're actually being yes. aggressive and that we're actually like trying to take advantage of the situation. Like a year ago, we thought the Big 12 Conference was done. And now we're in a place where you can not only add to it, but really strengthen this conference. Like if you were able to add Oregon and Washington, along with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, like that takes your conference kind of to the next level, adding yeah. a school like Oregon and Washington. That increases your foothold in a lot of different places. The Big 12 is going to be West Coast to East Coast, uh, four different time zones, and you're going to have really good schools, and you might not have like that top-tier school like uh, Texas or Oklahoma, but Oregon has solidified a name for itself with Nike, yep. Phil Knight as you know the guy who's shucking out all that money for that university. Um, Utah, BYU, like you said, that just brings both of those schools into the fold. Colorado returns. And then Arizona, Arizona State, to me, I think that's the key. 
Like if you can at least land those two, like you might not have to get all six yeah. or whatever, but adding at least those two. And I think they're from everything that I've heard, it seems like they're ready to jump ship and, and come on board. And if you can at least come away with both of those schools that, you know, adds Phoenix, that adds two other programs that are going to make you competitive, that's going to add to this already difficult basketball sure. conference uh, even more. Uh, but I was really excited to see that we're, like, really approaching this aggressively. Meanwhile, other conferences are just kind of standing pat, and the Pac-12 is just like, we'll just see what happens. The ACC can't really do anything. Uh, we're just waiting to see if it's over for the Big Ten and SEC and adding teams. So that's been uh, real impressive to I me. also think if we add some of these new Pac-12 schools, that that would make you the third best conference behind yes. Big obviously Big Ten and SEC. But then you kind of got Big 12 and ACC that have are going to have mm-hmm. a lot of teams in it. And we know that ACC has like, what, 18 or 20 teams or something stupid. But – they have a lot of depth and some heavy hitters here and there, but they don't move your needle football-wise. Um, they're mostly a basketball-type conference. And so I think you can put yourself above them, and I think that's a big deal. I mean, you're not going to be top tier like those other two, but right behind them is not a bad place to be either. Yeah, it, it sets you up well. It's not bad to be third place in this, and if you're able to add – Oregon and Washington and all these schools are able to come in and and be competitive and give you a really good, fun conference to watch. Like maybe, maybe the end all be all of this thing ends up being three super conferences and maybe eventually down the road, you're able to poach some ACC schools or, or something like that. So um, I think the key is like Oregon and Washington would really get me excited. Like if you're able to land those schools, that's definitely going to, change the outlook of the big 12 for sure because you add in two big brand schools like that um from the pac-12 pac-12 dissolves and then yeah now you're set up better than the acc at this yeah let's talk about that real quick that you mentioned so what if any number of these teams jump ship join us where does where does the pac-12 go like if they have only like two teams leave like arizona arizona state leave they can keep Pac-12 together and try to go expansion. But, yeah, they're going to be yeah. way down on the total pole. But I think they would try to keep it together and expand it. Congratulations, Mountain West Conference. Yeah. You just graduated to the Pac-12. Congrats, Gonzaga basketball. You got to play in a real conference now, kind of. <laughs> and But if it's more than, like, two of them, you're looking thin yeah. to, for expansion, and I don't think that's going to happen. If And then now, yeah, you have Stanford and Cal and whoever else stuck around, mm-hmm. like, looking around, there's no one else in the room and nowhere else to go. Like, Yeah, it's going to be Cal, Washington State, Oregon State. Yeah, and no um, one. I, I, Stanford's going to find a home, I think, whether that's probably Big Ten, if they partner with Notre Dame to join that, but. I mean, yeah, several of those schools don't well, really have no. homes. And the Mountain West just kind of grows really, and becomes the yeah the best group of five, whatever you want to call them now. Where they just all they just take all the Mountain West like as many right. schools from there as they can to recreate like the Pac-12. Yeah. It's just now the Mountain Pack yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's definitely interesting. So this question before we get to like what do we think is best for Tech, what 
like how have you seen this from a tech perspective the whole time like how have you been watching these things and and what are you like what do you think this does for texas tech is it good or bad i guess it goes with since it's good for for the big 12 i think it's but. good yeah because of that i don't i don't see it being bad for us in any way um and i also none of these are like heavy hitters that are gonna like swoop in here and replace oklahoma you know and so it's not like you're getting bumped down the the list of where you kind of sit at the table. You know, Oklahoma's had a big chair at the table, and Texas, just because of their money, has. None of these schools are coming in there like that. Like, sure, Oregon, like I said, has all the Nike money and the, and the flair and all that, but on the field, they're not incredibly crazy. I mean, they have spurts here and there with football, and that's about it. It'll be right. fun, you know, Oregon track and tech track, like, well, That'll be fun. We'll match up in rivalry all of a sudden. And so yeah. I think it's good for us. And it also kind of puts us right in the smack dab middle of the conference all of a sudden. When we used to be the, yeah, the loners way out west, you know. Yeah. And now it's like, hey, our buddies Arizona State and Utah. <laughs> like, kind of get that west, I don't know, like blooming, I guess, you know, we're right in the smack dab middle of the conference now. So I think it's cool for, for us. I think it's good. I don't, I don't see any bad specifics about it, honestly. Yeah. The only thing I would find bad is if it ends up just kind of staying pat and like, we're not able to add, I think. And, and that's not even all that bad. I don't think that's me. bad either. Um, that's just like the worst outcome and you're still yeah. fine. I think you're, you're still a better conference than the PAC 12, but in just a term of kind of leveling up, I, I definitely think you need to be able to poach at least two teams here. But yeah. yeah, as for Tech, like the possibility of having new opponents, a bigger conference, a conference that you legit have a chance to be able to compete in in every sport. Like maybe not right away, but you know we're hoping Joey McGuire is able to turn this football program around. There's not, like you said, there's not a team that's coming in that just scares you that you're just like, oh, they're going to take over this conference. Like you have an opportunity here. And I think the only thing that I'm watching if this happens is like we've got to solidify ourselves, I think, in all the sports. Like we've got to be really competitive in football when we've got to be one of the top teams. We can't let like these teams like Houston, BYU, UCF and stuff come in and surpass us in, in these sports. We've got to, you know, We've got yeah. to build ourselves football-wise. We've got to stay competitive in basketball and baseball and just kind of set yourself up for the future here. That's all That's all you got to be looking for if you're Kirby and you're President Skovanek. You've got to be looking for the best answer for Texas Tech in the future. And, you know, if that's adding to the Big 12, making the Big 12 the third best conference and, and sticking to that for a while and hopefully building that out to where we are not left behind and whatever – the future is like we've got to do it so Dustin we've kind of seen some of the reports so it's adding 16 possible six teams there's you know talks of I mean Pac-12 desperation might make some crazy offer to try to poach big 12 teams um, so for Texas Tech like you're all in on the six teams right yeah so if you're looking at there's three scenarios here and we just mentioned number three the one we could care about less, but it's still not terrible, is everything stays pat. The Pac-12 does a little minor expansion. Eh, okay. Yeah. We're not hurting that. You know, we're still adding our four teams and moving along like nothing ever happened. And then number two would be to add 
two to four of these schools and you get a second wave of expansion to come in with your four you're already bringing that's a good scenario and the best one like i said all six teams and you're adding powerhouse oregon and all the nike money and historic washington and now you become easily the third best super conference and have a good foothold out west like you said the four time zones is cool um sucks for washington and ucf when they have to play each other and travels very far (laughs) but i think that's your best case scenario and i think it works out well for tech in all scenarios um but that would be my like list of what i would want and i think would be the best for everybody yeah same here i'm all in on these six like once i saw that we were actually in deep discussions with oregon and washington i was like okay i like i like that i really like that we're being aggressive and if you can add all six of those i'm i'm all for it i love getting to play some new teams every year i don't necessarily know what that conference setup looks like is it pods is it two divisions like what does it look like that's a lot of teams in a conference so that's a yeah. That's a secondary conversation. Once we yeah. we get the teams, and then we're like, all right, now what do we do? With yeah. You? <laughs> if you want to speculate on all that stuff, there's plenty of Twitter posts about it. We're not going to dive into all that here because it is complicated. There's a lot of different ways it could go. Uh, but Dustin, just kind of a peek into the future. What do you see college sports turning into? Like, there's a lot of discussion that this is going to turn into two super conferences, and you might get left out. Do you think this? is heading that way uh, one league kind of like a, a amateur to pros or, or what do you see happening here as it seems like every year something's going to massively change the landscape of college sports yeah and that's the thing like that's a on a, it's a loaded question because i mean 10 years ago when we did the first major conference realignment and you know, Nebraska left and Colorado and Missouri left and then we reformed the Big 12 and all that. Like, that was kind of unheard of at the time, too. Um, and then, you know, 10 years later, now we have teams defecting for other conferences just based off money and not geographical region and rivalries anymore. And it ha- it's happening fast. Yeah. And it's always kind of eye-opening when it happens. But like we mentioned to begin this conversation, it's about the TV money and making your school millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, the, how much money the Big Ten and SEC make more than the rest of us is incredible and great for them. But yeah, it sucks we're not in that. Um, it could, like, I don't know where it might go because we didn't think this kind of stuff would ever happen. And now it is happening really easy. I think in the next five years, something else like this happens where maybe you get the two super conference type situation. Maybe the Big 12, as that third one, maybe you can have a three-team super conference yeah. you know, round table if, if the Big 12 can prove themselves a little better with especially how widespread nationally the Big 12 is going to be after uh, this realignment shifts around. So I don't know. Um I think the coolest one that's not going to happen would be like two super conferences. And then there's like a, like a kind of East and West or like a North and South kind of situation. But then there needs to be like two more conferences and you get like relegated like soccer yeah, over there. Like, so, all right, you're in, you're in the league for two years. And then if you suck, you're out. Well, <laughs> you're going down, down yeah, one notch and you have two, <laughs> two years to prove yourself. Rutgers would be delegated real quick. 
Right. And I mean, it, it's been doing like that for hundreds of years in soccer, and I think it's kind of a cool, good system. And there's teams that go up and down all the time. And sure, you'll have teams like yeah. Ohio State that always stay at the top and Michigan that always stay at the top, but you have a lot of moving around at the bottom there in the middle, and that would be really cool and different to see over here. Rather than, yeah, Vanderbilt, you always get a seat at the table in the best football conference in the country. Even though you suck <laughs> and you can't win any games. Like, um, yeah, I, you know, whatever the future is, it, you know, I just want Tech to be a part of it. That's really all I want at selfishly as yeah. a Texas Tech fan is I just want us to be involved in whatever way that is. I mean, you, it's all controlled by the TV networks. Like ESPN yep. making these decisions. ESPN told... ESPN is the whole reason for the Longhorn Network, you know. Um, they, they were the reason that all those other schools left. They were the reason that the Big 12 didn't expand at the time because they told Texas, hey, we'll give you a network. We don't want the Pac-12 teams coming in here or don't go to the Pac-12. Like, these TV networks control everything. And yeah. it that's why people are joking it's going to be the ESPN conference and the Fox conference. Like, that's what it's going to yeah. be. And that's really what it is already pretty much is – it's yes. just controlled by all these networks, and that's what the future is going to be. You know, the big thing, I think, for the Big 12 here, and as we've talked about it, you know, a couple weeks or last week, was the media rights deal that we're going to have to sign. And that's one of the main things that uh, your Mac is going to have to do. And you've got yeah. a bunch of TV networks that are trying to get into college sports game. You've got Amazon Prime. You've got Apple TV. You've got all these networks trying to get their hands on some – of this money that's coming in. Yeah. And so maybe you can find yourself at an advantage if you're able to get Oregon in here and Phil Knight and Nike and all that stuff. Maybe Apple wants to throw some money, get in the college sports game, give you some really good uh, deal. Maybe Amazon Prime's like, hey, let's take a risk on this and see what happens. Like, there's some really big possibilities for the Big 12 TV wise. And you just kind of want to see what, what opportunities are out there and hopefully set yourself up where. You are making some good money, and maybe you can kind of compete with what the SEC and Big Ten are getting out there because you embark on this kind of new idea with all these streaming platforms. So um, it's changing a lot. I don't like some of the changes. I'm going to miss the days where our conferences mattered and, you know, you're getting to uh, play your rivals all the time. Instead, you're, when you're only getting to play a handful of teams, and you might not see Oregon for several years, but, hey, at least they're in your conference. Uh, who knows what it's all going to look like, but we're here to kind of guide you guys through it every week with uh, some news breaks this week. We'll discuss it next week uh, on the podcast on what the future for the Big 12 looks like. If there's any additions, Dustin, I guess we got to reach out to some podcasts and <laughs> see. If yeah, we, we already started this, so we might have to do some more. That'll be okay. Yeah, that'll we be got okay. Another, we got another summer next year to do that. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out some time to get to know these other podcasts, but. Uh, some other quick Texas Tech news. Uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt, a former top recruit in the 2023 recruiting class for Texas Tech, decommitted uh, and committed to Ohio State. He dropped it in there during the Hulk uh, USC UCLA leaving Kevin Durant, which we'll get into announcing a trade deal. He just kind of slipped that news in there. Um, most of the tech people were able to pick up on that and let us know. So, Dustin, anything to add on to uh, losing Calvin Simpson Hunt? And one of the kind of gems of the class that we had, like, was was kind of – I don't think he had any stars when we got him. All of a sudden was a three, all of a sudden a four-star, kept rising up the rankings. So was kind of one of those players that we were real excited about 
uh, now he's playing for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and it kind of mixes in with all this. Like now he's one of the Big Ten and one of the best teams that's been around for a while. Yeah, and so it's kind of hard to say no to them and stick with Tech when that's they're knocking on your door with a bag of money for you know whatever nil he gets, and so it's like, do you want to play for this? up-and-coming Texas Tech squad that you're leading the charge with, or do you want to go join the super team of yeah. Ohio State and who also is really good at producing uh, defensive backs to the NFL? Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to turn that down when you're in his position. So I can't blame him. It sucks for us because, yeah, what what could have been, we always look back on him like, oh, we almost had him and slipped slipped away got pulled up by a little bigger fish yeah i mean it's fun to be in battles with schools like ohio state for recruits and so like to be able to know that this coaching staff can find some gems and hopefully like once we put it on the field and you see the product of a joey mcguire coach texas tech team maybe you'll be able to get some of these recruits to stay and so right who knows with the transfer portal he could be here you know, in 2020 and 2023. Yep. So you never know these days. Uh, but, you know, so we lost him. There was another, and this one's kind of funny to me now, is we lost a running back recruit, LJ Martin, who transferred to Stanford. <laughs> and now, and now, like two days later, it comes out that USC and UCLA are leaving. And so now, we, he, you know, he's playing for a team that he doesn't even know what their conference is going to look like in a couple years. So that one I find a little bit, Dang, a little bit funny, but. Uh, we also added some commits this week. Don't have all their names and information for us, but you know this staff continues to recruit hard, replace the guys that we're losing with uh, other guys who are committed. So a couple three stars, I think a wide receiver, um, maybe an offensive lineman in the mix there. So, uh, mm-hmm. so um, some other players to add. The staff, like we said, always recruiting. Well, all right, guys, so we're going to do something a little different this week. We're going to throw in a mini tailgate at the end of this episode uh, as NBA free agency has begun, and there's a lot to talk about there, and we love the NBA, so we figured this would be a good time to hop in and discuss what's been going on in the first week of free agency. All right, Dustin, so NBA free agency is one of your and mine both favorite times of the NBA calendar. Sometimes it's more fun for me than, like, regular season events uh, in the NBA as a lot of stuff is happening uh, this year. A lot of stuff is happening as well. And so let's just kind of run through some of the top storylines and and discuss what has happened. So uh, NBA free agency began with a bang. Uh, on Thursday, before the official time of free agency started, Kevin Durant asked for a trade from Brooklyn, uh, setting everything crazy, all teams, of course, wanting the opportunity to have Kevin Durant play for them. Uh, he listed the Suns and Heat as his top destinations that he would like to be traded to. Uh, but it's very rare that you see a player of Kevin Durant's caliber become available on the trade market. So this is a very rare uh, opportunity for teams to try to uh, bet the future and try to win now. So, Dustin, what did you think when uh, the Kevin Durant news broke? It happened right after Kyrie re-signed. 
And so he thought maybe everything was good, but it turns out not so much. Kevin Durant wants out. Yeah, I don't get it. Like a day or two after Kyrie signs and just had his whole BS of like trade me and the whole last year of his, you know, escapades and drama. And I don't know what, what Kevin Durant's move here is. You know, he's a guy that there's got to be a reasoning behind it. Like, why did you not come out two days before when Kyrie still wanted out and say, why did you do it after the fact? Like, are you trying to screw over Kyrie because he kind of screwed you over last year? Or do you really want out? Or I've also heard this scenario and theory that maybe they're Kyrie and Kevin Durant are both just causing smoke just because, and they're both going to play for the Nets next year. Because <laughs> it's, re- yeah. it's going to be really hard to get one of those guys traded, and both of them even harder with their contracts and how, the level of Kevin Durant. Yeah. So, like, I don't, it might not even be feasible. Yeah, they might stand pat here until the season starts. I don't see a scenario where Kyrie Irving plays for the Nets anymore. I know that relationship is fractured and burnt, like, that bridge is burnt. Kyrie's not going to be playing for the Nets. Now, whether they trade him before the start of the season, um, you know, so be it. Like, who knows? But Kyrie, I don't think, will play another game for the Nets. That that relationship is fractured. Now, Kevin Durant, you know, maybe they're just trying to call his bluff and see. Maybe he re- he wants Kyrie gone, but there's also reports that he wants to continue to play with Kyrie. So what yeah. do you believe here? I think the fact is – I think they both don't like the ownership. I really do believe that they both don't want to be playing basketball in Brooklyn anymore. I think trading for Ben Simmons, who didn't end up playing a single minute for them in the playoffs, hurt. I think getting swept last year uh, in the playoffs hurts. And so I think they both really do want new destinations. But the price for Kevin Durant is going to be steep because next point here, Rudy Gobert was traded from the Utah Jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it was a team that we speculated after the end of the season would be blowing shit up. And they indeed did by trading Rudy Gobert. Uh, and so this is this is what the trade was. And this is why it might be too much to ask for Kevin Durant. Because if this is what Rudy Gobert is going for, I don't know what the market is for Kevin Durant. Rudy Gobert goes for Patrick Beverly. Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, and Leandro Balmero, who I don't even know who the hell that is, on top of a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 first-round pick, a 2026 pick swap, a 2027 first, and a 2029 first. That is betting your whole future on a guy who you can play out of the playoffs because he can't guard wings. Uh, Sure, he's a good interior defender. But I liked this move at the start before they announced what the whole trade was. And then once I heard the trade, I was like, okay, uh, that's a little bit too much. Um, What did you think about this trade? And then I'll give the rest of my thoughts. Yeah, I was driving and you sent this to me. And I clicked the Twitter link and... Literally, I see player, 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 plus four first-round picks. And I went, whoa, for Rudy yeah. Gobert? That's that's a little ridiculous. And you have a little note on here that he's got a huge contract and is over 30 years old 
and like you know seven footers over 30 years old don't last much longer after that yeah and real quick just to clarify that contract in 2025 2026 he's owed 46 mil like i don't i get like you you have an up-and-coming team in in minnesota and the timberwolves and carl anthony towns and anthony edwards but and i get you want to improve your team but I think you just made a really bad lopsided trade and shipped yeah. away for a, I guess, above average center. And yeah. that, I mean, eh? like, I don't think he elevates you that much from what you probably could have gotten or traded for other picks or signings. Because now you're going to be cash strapped for the next three to four years because of him. And you're not going to have any picks either because of him. Mm-hmm. And you got to start thinking, well, is he actually providing what we gave up for him? Probably not. So I don't I don't like it for them. I, I like it for Utah. Because yeah. they just said, we're not going anywhere. We're stuck in the mud. We're a Miller Road team. And apparently our two stars don't get along. Well, we're just going to ship one out and... Minnesota is drunk right now and wants to send us four first round picks. Let's do it. Like I like it for them. I'd hate it for Minnesota. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast talking about this and Danny Ainge once again, the trade goat, like always wins every single trade. Assets, baby. Assets. Gets all those assets, gets rid of Rudy Gobert, makes the Timberwolves give up a shit ton for him. And in the end all be all, like, yeah, you set yourself up to rebuild in the future. You got a lot of picks, you got a lot of assets that you can trade to you know, there was talk that yeah. maybe they wanted to get in on the Kevin Durant thing. But yeah, if you're the Timberwolves, this move is a like win a championship now type move. But they're not a team that can win a championship. Not there yet. Like you no. have a young star in Anthony Edwards, who I believe at one day, maybe five, six years down the road, could be a top 10 player in the league. But he's 20 right now. Like he isn't that player yet. And he's got a lot of stuff he's got to get to on the way to reaching that potential. Um, you just signed and one of the other extensions that we'll talk about here, you just signed Carl Anthony towns to a super max. Yeah. And he was a guy who disappointed in the playoffs last year. So you're pretty much, and then Anthony Edwards, you're going to have to pay in a couple years. So you're pretty much tied to these three guys and whether this works or not. And that's a big risk because you're hoping that Rudy Gobert can be the elite player now, but more realistically, three, four years down the road when you're expecting Ant to take that leap and be that player who can take you to the next level, Gobert's going to be at the end of his, uh, probably at the end of his playing days. You're not going to be seeing the best of Rudy Gobert anymore at that time. So for me, no. it's just, it's baffling how much they gave up uh, for this trade. And it's just Danny Ainge, a smart, been there before GM, and the Timberwolves got this new ownership group this new GM want to come in, make that impression, try to get that big trade done, and ultimately they just got fleeced. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so funny for them, but yeah, that I mean, what do you think that does to KD? Because I mean, if that's what the asking price is for freaking Rudy Gobert, like what are they? What what are the Nets going to be asking for? I know that when they the Suns kind of came out, they're like, we're not trading them to the Suns unless we get Devin Booker back, like. I mean, well, the Kevin Durant. No, it wasn't the Kevin Durant trade. It was, yeah, maybe 
or Kyrie, all of them. But there's so many really good young players that just signed their rookie max extension, and you can't trade those yeah. players like in the first year or two or whatever. So there's like half the teams, their star, you know, like your Devin Bookers, your Lucas, Jaw. and you can't move those guys yeah. because of that. And yeah, then you, the Nets are going to be like, well, we want Devin Booker. And they're like, well, you literally can't have them. There's rules against that. So like, this is a good move for Utah trying to get assets to maybe make a splash at some point. But yeah, like you just mentioned, they the Timberwolves just skewed the trade chart so freaking bad. Like he's worth maybe like three of those guys in one first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be enough. Um like, that's a that kills me. It's like it's his contract yeah. though. I think you know he had to get rid of a lot of those pieces because his contract yeah. is so large. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, those pieces with maybe a first or maybe two first, like that, that should have been his asking price. But instead you throw so many more on there with a pick swap included. Like, uh, I also that, like how Patrick Beverly, the last like three years yeah. is always included in a trade. <laughs> yeah. And he just had like that, you know, remember that we won the play in game tournament moment of jumping up on the table and it's like, yeah. we won this for Minnesota. It means so much. And now they ship him out for Rudy Gobert. Goodbye, <laughs> Pat. Uh, off to the jazz you go. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do. Like, do they continue to blow it up? Do they get rid of Donovan Mitchell? Like, you know, do they try to get, no, Hey, I, I get, don't think so. If we can get that much for Rudy Gobert. Can we get a pretty good package for Donovan Mitchell? I'm curious to see what they I do. I think they want to sit tight with him and keep working with him. The team that if I'm the Nets, I, I go for is the Miami Heat. I think like a package of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, uh, some picks, uh, maybe a couple other players thrown in there is a pretty good package for Kevin Durant. Uh, maybe uh, maybe throw Kyle Lowry into that trade as well. I think that you're getting all-star caliber players. You're getting the sixth man of the year in Tyler Hero. I think that's a pretty good package. I think that keeps you at least kind of competitive because for the Nets here, you can't suck because you traded all of your assets <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to get James Harden. So <laughs> right. like they're in a situation where they've got to remain competitive uh, with or without Kevin Durant. So they're they're just an interesting team to watch. And, of course, right now everything's at a standstill with the Kevin Durant trade. So we'll monitor that. Maybe once that happens, we'll have a little other mini tailgate to discuss the repercussions of that trade and what it means for the NBA. Some other signings. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks lose out on the Jalen Brunson sweepstakes. He signs with the New York Knicks, something that everybody knew several days before NBA free agency um, four years for $104 million, and so the Knicks got slapped with the tampering uh, today, I saw. And then I was, saw that. Um, and, of course, like, everybody knew about this deal before time. Like, there's no way that there's, you know, no discussions. The Mavs didn't even really get a chance at the table. Uh, this was something that, uh, you know, Mavs, he was a really good player for them, like, can be a third-best player on a team that can make it to the conference finals. Dustin, what did you think about the Mavs losing out on Brunson? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, we kind of talked after we recorded last week, just me and you, that he was probably going there. And not surprised he went, especially getting paid that much money. But it was surprising afterwards to hear that he turned down – he didn't – the Heat were trying to talk to him, and he didn't even take their phone call or meeting. And 
he didn't give the Mavericks a chance to sit down and talk and rebuttal and anything like that. Like, he just shut the door and said, I'm going to New York. So that kind of sucks for the team that drafted you and really liked you through this whole time and process. And, like, now that you proved yourself was willing to talk with you and possibly extend you and you just turned your back on him kind of like that. I didn't think, you know, he always looks, ever since his days at Nova, he's always looked like this super – great character stand-up guy and like it seems kind of out of character for him a little bit so I didn't get that part of it but good luck in New York I guess with him and RJ Barrett and nobody else (laughs) yeah I mean he'll get the chance to be the starting point guard I think like overall when you look at starting point guards I think he's 15th in out of all point guards in salary so it's not like the Knicks completely broke their bank for him. I think he can be a really good point guard. I think he can help players in New York get better. Um, is this a piece that makes you a playoff contender? I'm not really sure in what's going to be a loaded Eastern Conference. So, um, you know, but congrats, Knicks. You finally got yourself agent in Jalen Brunson. Uh, the Celtics made uh, another pretty good move. They traded for Malcolm Brogdon from the Pacers. They didn't have to get rid of any of their – seven best players uh, that made made it to the NBA Finals. Uh, so they get a really nice addition there. Of course, Brogdon's been injury-riddled uh, these last few years, so we'll see how that turns out for him. The Hawks made some moves. They traded for DeJounte Murray uh, to add another point guard to with Trey Young. That'll go well, I think. <laughs> Trey without the ball? No way. He's never played without the ball. I don't really know why they made that move. Uh, and then they traded away Kevin Herter, who's – Pretty solid player. I uh, traded him to the Kings, and so uh, Hawks making a couple moves. Lots of guys signed some massive contract extensions. Zion was one of the big questions, right? Thought that there was some fraction with him and the Pelicans during the season, uh, but ultimately ends up signing at five-year, $193 million rookie extension, uh, something that you pretty much have to do. Uh, if you're the Pelicans and if you're Zion, you know, get that money. And you're the Pelicans, like, you've built something pretty nice all of a sudden out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you got a pretty solid team, so you can only imagine what that might look like with Zion. So let's hope for health for him. Uh, Devin Booker signed a four-year $224 million Supermax. John Morant signed his four-year rookie extension worth up to $226 million. Jokic signs the largest contract ever, I think I saw. Five-year, $264 million Supermax extension. Uh, We already mentioned Carl Anthony Towns. Bradley Bill signs his five-year, $251 million Supermax. So, Dustin, out of all those guys who got paid, anyone worth noting uh, to you specifically? Um, Yeah, a lot of them, honestly. Like Devin Booker, Jaw. Crawling Towns, those are pretty easy, especially after Crawling Towns last year really developed that three-point shot, became kind of made a big leap. The Bradley Bill one, I wanted Bradley Bill to go test the market out and go to a winning team because, like, you know, we saw quite a few years ago when it was him and John Wall, and they were really fun to watch. And he's a really, really good player, and I don't know if he just doesn't want to move. I get like, yeah, it's a lot of money. So that's amazing for him. But I just wanted to see him move and go to a better team, a championship-type team, um, just for his own legacies-type sake. And so that was kind of disappointing that he's just going to go to Washington and 
probably just end this contract out and never win another playoff game. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's just gonna he's content with putting up a lot of points and never winning. Uh, yeah. and that's pretty much what he'll do in these five years in Washington unless, you know, year three or four they decide that they do want to trade him. But yeah, he was one that I was really interested to see what would happen if he would uh opt out to try to get traded or opt in and hope for a trade, but uh, seems like he's content. So, you know, I make that money, I guess. And then, and then uh, Zion, yeah, is the other one that it's like, oh, well, what do, what do the Pelicans do with Zion? Because obviously he's crazy good talent. He's a body we've never seen before basketball-wise. and But he's very injured. I mean, he's played, he's been in the league, what, three years and has played like 80 yeah. games total. And... It's scary. It's but probably like one of the scariest extensions that's ever had to sign, but, like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> right, and that's the thing. Like, New Orleans started to build something. You know, they got Brandon Ingram starting to do some things from last year. and Traded they, for CJ. They got CJ McCollum, who's a winner, and so it's like, let's go all in on him. I wouldn't doubt if he has a lot of, like, incentive, protective-type things in there, like the Sixers yeah. did with Joel Embiid a few years ago because he was in the same kind of boat and if you're healthy you're gonna get paid most of this money if you're not you're not gonna get paid most of this money is what it comes down to so especially for new orleans who's honestly never been a good basketball franchise yeah (laughs) desperate for it (laughs) uh they're they're desperate to have something good going for them and keep it going um so good for them i guess good for zion Hope they can get him some some shoes that keep him from getting hurt. <laughs> he can make Moses money yeah. and play some more. I mean, if you're Zion, you had to get a little bit excited of what you watched at the end of last season. Like they made the postseason, uh, they were competitive against the number yeah. one seed Suns. Like you looks like you got some really good young pieces on that team. Brandon Ingram's a really damn good player. You got a really good vet. And, uh, you know, in CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas, like that's a pretty solid team. And so if he's able to go in, be healthy and provide like what he was doing in that second year, like that's going to be a really formidable team in the Western Conference. And so uh, there there really wasn't any other way around it. The Pelicans had to give him this money and you're silly if you're Zion not to take it because of that injury history. Like you got to take what what's in front of you, because, you know, at this point, that next contract isn't really guaranteed. Um, so that was uh, one of the interesting extensions that everybody was watching. Interesting teams, Dustin, and we'll kind of take it to the Mavs here as you are a Mavs fan. They traded for Christian Wood. That happened a couple weeks ago. They added JaVel McGee in free agency. They signed him to a cheap deal. What did you think about those moves for the Dallas Mavericks? One, that is NBA champion and gold medalist JaVel McGee to y'all. So. Yeah. You put some respect on his name. He's got a lot of championship experience being added to that roster now and help guide Luca in this process, you know. Hey, and I love that move. Like when you can get a center that's like as experienced as him and you get yeah. him for cheap, like that's a great move. Like I know he's used to clown on him because of his antics and yeah. stuff, but honestly in the last like five years he's calmed that stuff down and found his role and that's why he's been an Olympian on the Warriors or on the Lakers, Lakers on and like on the Suns, yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, he's figured he's it out. He's player, yeah. So like, that's a cool move, I guess. 
Um, the and Christian, he'll be great at pick and rolls with Luca. He'll be great at it. Yeah, the Christian Wood one is the really good move. Um, it doesn't fit what we were kind of asking the Mavs for and what was supposedly being thought for the Mavs. Like, you know, it was thought we need defensive players and three-point shooters for to go around Luca, and it's not what he does. Um, he's more like a power forward type, but he's really developed a three-point shot. He's yeah. been with the Rockets the last handful of years. Um, so I wasn't like that excited, and then I kept hearing some stuff about it. And the best kind of comparison for him was look back when the Rockets still had James Harden and when he played with them, and he was really good. And guess who plays just like James Harden used to play? Luca. And so pick and roll the wood and pick and pops because he can shoot it is going to be really good. But he's a guy who can give you 20 and 10 a night on most nights, honestly, and give you a really solid center um, on the floor there. So I like it. I hope that's it's a good thing and works out for both those big men in the Mavs. Yeah, I think they made some really solid moves. Um, and I, I just like the JaVale move. Like, you, you get somebody who's going to be able to play really valuable minutes for you and probably start for you, uh, you know, potentially give you some length. He's going to play pretty good interior defense. Uh, he's been around winning. So, decent moves for the Mavs. The Lakers, uh, they're kind of just sit back mode as they wait to see if they can pull this Kyrie trade off. Uh, right now they just kind of signed a bunch of league minimum guys like Lonnie Walker, uh, some other, you know, kind of uh, Juan Toscano Anderson from the Warriors. So they got an NBA champion Juan Toscano Anderson. Sure. Uh, and then a couple other guys. <laughs> so they're just trying to keep uh, those contracts low, see if they can trade for Kyrie. Uh, so we kind of watched that. And really, this is the only fit for Kyrie, I think. Reunited Agreed. with LeBron. Uh, Lakers can get rid of Russ in that trade. And, you know, you just kind of hope that Kyrie and LeBron, like, mesh and they're able to get whatever out of Kyrie. Other than that, like, I mean, and the Lakers are desperate for it. It's not a lot of teams that are desperate for uh, Kyrie, even though the Mavs are rumored to be in that uh, discussion. But... Um, I, I don't really want to waste too much time talking about Kyrie. We Everybody is uh, a little tired of him. We're tired of him, we'll, yeah. Yeah, so we'll just kind of keep an eye on him. The other team that is kind of interesting to me is the Philadelphia Rockets, I mean uh, the 76ers, um, as Daryl Morey has uh, reloaded the 76ers teams with P.J. Tucker, former Houston Rocket, uh, and Daniel House, uh, former Houston Rocket. So, um, you know, adding some players that he's comfortable with. He's filling, you know, 37-year-old P.J. Tucker getting three-year deals out here. Um, so anything you want to add? Like Harden to, is taking less money to help add some pieces because he's all in on trying to win a championship. And so that helped them afford P.J. Tucker. That helped them get Daniel House. And so – uh, what do you think about this uh, other iteration of the Rockets in Philly? <laughs> yeah, I think it's Daryl Morey being like, "We were so close. Let's just run it back." And we're gonna—is he trying to trade for Chris Paul also? Yeah, I don't know. It's like we're gonna run it back with this whole team and add Joel Embiid, basically. So I don't know. I think Philly is gonna be good again, but I don't think they're—they're they're not in the top chase with like. Your Milwaukee's and Phoenix's and yeah. Boston is up there higher than them, I think. And so I don't think they're quite there. I think they're a step behind them. And you now adding 30, whatever, 37, you said? 
P.J. Tucker, who's a really good player and defensive player, but, I mean, you see a lot of times, once you get too old, it starts to show on the floor. Like, youth and athleticism pays off quite often. I know experience is good too, but too much of it makes you old all of a sudden, and so I don't know about that, but I don't think it's a move that made them go anywhere in the in the rankings. Yeah, and it they don't move the needle for me until I see like a f- resemblance of the James Harden that we kind of not knew. getting him back. Like that's the thing. It's like not gonna yeah. happen. I don't think it's happening. But if you're able to get a, a you know better version than of what he's been, like all right, you might have a chance here. But, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they're kind of getting the band back together in Philly all of a sudden, it seems like. But uh, any other teams that you've kind of been interested in and what they've done? I, you know, we talked about the Celtics kind of got better at adding Brogdon. I think the Bucks reloaded again with, you know, adding Joe Ingles, I thought was a sneaky move. Um, Blazers trying to do some things to add some pieces around Dame. Uh, any others that stand out to you? No, and you mentioned like we have we love NBA free agency, and I think what one of the reasons we like it is because it starts immediately after the finals. Like, yeah, like the NFL gives you like at least like a month off, and then it's like oh the draft combine and the draft and oh here's some trades. Like no NBA is like the next day we yeah, got next this draft, and this and this person wants out, and it yeah. never stops after that. And so like it's just. A never-ending cycle, and it's a lot of fun. So, can't wait for. And now you got. I'm watching right now the summer league stuff. Yep. You know, Chet Holmgren's out here dunking on dudes and blocking shots just like he did in Gonzaga. So, basketball never stops. NBA trades and free agency never stops. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. There's still a lot of pieces left to, you know, find their place. And so, um, you know, we won't be discussing NBA every week on here, but we figured this would be a good time to do it with a lot of NBA news uh, because of free agency. So um, if anything big comes across, we'll be sure to kind of have a little bit of a segment here to mention it. We'll especially be watching Kyrie and Kevin Durant and what the Nets do with those pieces. But for now, that will do it for uh, our mini NBA tailgate this week. Let's uh, go do some final shots, Dustin. We've uh, uh, been doing Texas Tech-related final shots. Did you have anything for us this week that you wanted to mention? Kind of just mentioned it there. You know, NBA Summer League is, is on. You have three Red Raiders uh, on the court right now in Bryson Williams and Mac McClung and Adonis Arms. So you can check all those guys out and keep watching them and see if their their career can grow from NBA Summer League into the G League and into the league. And, you know, Mac McClung's on his second time around this, so he's pretty experienced and a very good player. And so he's he's a lot of fun to keep watching and rooting for. And I hope the new guys do well also. Yeah, that was going to be mine as well. Just NBA Summer League kicks off July 7th. be watching – for those guys uh, watching Bryson with the Heat, Adonis with the Nuggets, Mac with the Lakers, and see if they're able to take anything from this moment, uh, turn it into a possible NBA contract, a possible dream. And so we're excited to see these guys. If you, they'll be. I think those games will be on ESPN uh, for the most part. So if you're uh, bored one night, need something to watch, tune into the summer league. Watch those guys play. Uh, All right, well, that will do it for Tailgate Talks in week 92. 
Catch us next week when we get back into our interviews as we've got uh, the Locked On Cougars podcast coming on to discuss all things BYU. So uh, in order to catch that, you got to make sure you are following the tailgate. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Rate us. Review us. All of that good stuff. Follow us on social media. Uh, follow us on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And follow our YouTube channel where you can catch clips from each week's episodes there. And that will do it for this week. We will catch you guys at the next tailgate.